Hello, everyone, and welcome into another edition of our latest show from the Palmetto Family Matters Network, Beyond the Walls, where we're working to equip Christians to share and spread their faith and the gospel beyond the walls of the church. Justin Hall, joined today by Dr. Tony Wolf from the South Carolina Baptist Convention. Dr. Wolf, yes. glad you're here. It's great to be on the show. Thank you, Justin. Of course, of course. We're talking about a lot of different things. And again, I give you the disclaimer. If you're looking for hard-hitting political commentary, this is not the show for you. Go to the Palmetto Family Matters show, which if you're listening on the podcast feed, it's down below this one or up above this one, depending on when you're listening. Uh, You can go listen to that, all right, or go watch that on Facebook. If you're watching us on Facebook right now, continue watching. I think you'll enjoy this one. But if you're looking for that kind of stuff, just look for another video because on this show... We're talking about how the church engages with the culture, and that might touch on some of the issues that we talk about from a political standpoint um, on our other show. But here we're talking specifically about uh, the faith aspect of these things and and, and why it's so important and what Christians' roles are um, outside of the walls of the church. So I guess we need to start from the basics, and and that is what exactly is the church's role in impacting the culture at large? Uh, so much of Scripture talks about um, how when we, when we live out our faith, it does positively affect the culture uh, and society at large. So uh, I believe that, uh, that when, we, when we truly walk closely with Christ and in the Spirit, uh, that it affects the way that we interact with people, one-on-one relationships, small group relationships, and that organically changes uh, neighborhoods and cities and counties and states and nations and the world, one conversation, one relationship at a time. That's not to exclude the importance of uh, political engagement and uh, working for the good of your city, uh, Jeremiah 29, uh, but one by one, one person at a time, from faith to faith, the Scripture says, when we walk closely with Jesus, we let that affect the way that we talk to other people. It absolutely changes and affects society and culture in a good way. And so when we're talking about specifically for those who are living, and again, whether whether you're in Columbia or Camden or Conway, you're are you sure you're not Baptist? You I, well, that we 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 practice that. I grew I I have Baptist roots. <laughs> uh, I'll work on my other groups of threes later on. <laughs> Regardless of what of those areas you're in, you have the opportunity individually, as you kind of alluded to there, to impact other individuals in your sphere of influence. So if we we had the big picture, now we kind of drill down a little bit. How can individual Christians influence the culture for Christ when you're just having conversations at the gas station? or when you're just having conversations with your cashier at the grocery store or your waitress or waiter at the restaurant? I believe that when, when you have a Christocentric biblical worldview, a person, um, then you have access to the fullness of heaven's knowledge and wisdom in Christ Jesus. That's uh, Colossians chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Um, so even in your sphere of work, you know, Christians should be the most successful and the most productive and the most helpful, uh, not just citizens, but educators and engineers and global marketplace leaders and politicians and lawyers and doctors. Uh, so even in your workplace, one-on-one conversations, uh, it should influence the culture 
and the economy even positively because you're operating from the repository of the fullness of heaven's knowledge in Christ Jesus. All that begins when a person repents from sin and places his or her faith in the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sin and the future hope of heaven and a life full of purpose and power right here while we wait. So we are unashamedly uh, proponents of ambassadors for the gospel of Jesus Christ. So at that gas station conversation and uh, and uh, on the on the street on my way in here, even when you when you meet someone mm-hmm. and you love them and you neighbor well, uh, then you the, the gospel if if it's in you it comes out. Uh, if you are uh, a follower of Jesus, then you are an ambassador for Jesus. And so the first the first level of engagement is to share with hope and with kindness and grace the love of God in Jesus Christ. It comes out uh, in a gospel invitation. And then after that, uh, to work together with uh, other Christians and with uh, neighbors and with professionals so that the wisdom of heaven is fleshed out in every sphere of social interaction. And so usually when we start talking about these different issues, um, they're called political but we have these issues of like abortion or we would frame it as pro-life issues, the issue of the LGBTQ sexual revolution, transgender ideologies, foreign policy, tax policy, all have been labeled and thrown into the, into the bucket of political. And I, I believe, and I believe the Bible addresses, that these are all moral issues. I don't believe there's a single thing under the sun. Was it Solomon who said there's nothing new under the sun? But I believe the Bible addresses each and every one of these. I think specifically God addresses each and every one of these in the Mosaic law um, in the Old Testament. So all of these pose moral questions as well. So when, when we're having these conversations with fellow Christ followers and they hear, well, you can't talk about X because it's political and separation of church and state, which, again, I raise the call here. Find it in the Constitution. I'll give you $10,000. If, if we are to believe that they, are, that they all have a moral capacity, and I believe everything in life has a bit of a moral capacity, how do we approach that distinction as Christians of the political and the, mor- and, and the moral, and then how do we engage in those areas while still being faithful, obedient, people-loving, and God-fearing Christ followers, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's a great question. I think the first step is to reconcile even internally in our own minds um, that, that Scripture speaks to and informs the morality of and the engagement of all of Christ's people for all of life. Uh, so there is no really moral distinction between political engagement and just everyday enga- uh, engagement. Everybody has a politic. Politic, mm-hmm. uh, in its definition, is not a bad word. Uh, everybody has a, a set of governing rules. You know, I, uh, I have a particular bent toward a certain uh, economic system uh, that I believe is supported by Scripture, but I think it's a tertiary matter. So, But it's going to guide my engagement, sure. uh, especially at the polls, um, but but I think internally first we just need to we need to reconcile inside, uh, inside ourselves that it's not a bad thing to have a politic and to engage in I guess what we would call political discussion uh, or conversation and then secondly to realize that because Scripture informs and guides. 
the interaction of all of Christ's people for all of life, then all of these issues are important to God, and all of these people that they affect are also important to God. If we believe Scripture, that every person is created in the image of God and after His likeness, and that He has a plan and a purpose for their life, that He really did form them uniquely and wonderfully in their mother's womb, that their days are numbered, they, uh, He has a uh, every one of their days is written in his book before a single one of them began, Psalm 139. If we believe that, uh, then it should actively inform the way that we engage people uh, in our workplaces, in our homes, and on the streets, in our social circles. Uh, and what I mean by that is we can be passionate about a political viewpoint uh, or a political agenda without losing Christ in our interaction. Uh, I'm just of the, I'm of the opinion that if we walk in the Spirit and we're led by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, then uh, if it does not taste or smell or look like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, or self-control, then it's not from the Holy Spirit. It's from something else. So even in even in uh, the most direct and what could be the most divisive uh, engagement conversations. Mm-hmm. Christians should, should guard our words and guard our tone to respect other image bearers of God and to make sure that we interact with the fruits of the Spirit. And I think that sort of answers this next question, so I'll try to frame it in maybe a different way. That's, that, when we're grappling with these issues, um, but I, I think probably the easiest one to deal with, I mean, tax policy might be a little... You made a very good point, though, about certain economic policy and how it can be informed by Scripture. Um that sounded a bit Christo-fascist, but we'll let it go, uh, as we've been called on, on other shows before. Uh, let, let's talk about the pro-life issue just real quick, because I believe this is one that Christians can easily grapple with based on Scripture. I, I believe Scripture is very clear, and you, you pulled a couple of different quotes that I believe sum it up very well. We grapple with this issue. We have folks within the walls of the church, certainly those outside of the walls of the church who do not claim Christ, who will tell you, well, I believe that this is when life begins, but I cannot tell other people that. that that's my belief, but I'm not going to force my belief on anyone else. Uh, we have leaders, state and national, who say, well, my faith is one thing, but that's that can't dissuade or persuade how I govern. How, how, do, we, how do we grapple with that within the walls of the church with those who who claim Christ and who we are supposed to walk with in unity, and then how do we grapple with that outside of the walls when we try to explain that, no, this is what the Bible says about life. This is when life begins according to the Scriptures. How do do we grapple with that and try to be loving and winsome all at the same time? Yeah, I think a lot of it's in demeanor uh, and just a, a genuine understanding that the person that you're disagreeing with bears the image of God just like you do. and is full of dignity and worthy of respect. So regardless of how this person interacts with you, mm-hmm. you can maintain that respect uh, and, and in that engagement. But yeah, I would say that it's interesting, I think, uh, that this is really a new, co- I think it's a new conversation in United States governance because political history uh, for all the years of our, of our uh, existence as a country has not separated faith from governance. Correct. Uh, so it's just interesting that in the progression, or if you'd rather the word, the evolution of governance and politic in the United States, mm-hmm. that we've somehow come to the place where we separate, even personally, I separate my faith from my 
political engagement or from my workplace. Um, but the faith that the scriptures uh, project, the faith that the scriptures pr- uh, prescribe for those who walk with Christ uh, is, is a holistic, whole life, whole body, whole mind, whole heart faith. You cannot separate uh, what Christ says and what God's Word says about who you are and what you believe and, and what you believe about yourself and other people and the society in which you live. You can't separate that from uh, your workplace or your political engagement. I've found, I've found people to be pretty, honestly, pretty respectful. Uh, there's some people who uh, I vastly disagree with mm-hmm. uh, on political engagement and certain moral issues, like you've mentioned. Um, but as, as long as I stay winsome, like you said, and generally speaking, if I say, uh, tell me what you believe and why you believe that, and then I listen and I give them a voice, and then I ask, can I tell you what I believe? I, I've never had anybody tell me no, and I tell them why. Just, I believe I, you know, I, I anchor my life in the Scriptures and the Word of God, and, uh, and the way I read God's Word, it says this, and, and this is what it means, and this is how it informs my engagement uh, over all of these issues. And uh, I've, I feel like my viewpoint has been respected, even when it's been disagreed with. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and a lot of it has to do with your demeanor. And right. the way you present your viewpoints, again, uh, if gentleness and patience and kindness are all fruits of the Spirit, then those things should be working themselves out in all of these conversations in increasing measure the longer we walk with Christ. You mentioned earlier Christocentric living and a Christocentric faith. And so I want to take that and, and move it along in a certain way. There's a There is a desire, I believe, that... Again, if, you, if you're on social media, your algorithms are different from one to another. Uh, my algorithm, I think you could gather, is probably mostly um, theology, sports, and politics. Uh, That's but surprising. That shocking. is uh, shocking, really. Uh, no, one, no one saw it coming. Sure. The, the algorithm, though, has pointed me into some different conversations that folks are having in the theological sphere. And again, you mentioned earlier something about, um, you know, my economic politic is informed by Scripture, but that's a very tertiary issue. Uh, many would call that a point B or point C issue. We we need to agree on the point A, and the point B and C can work themselves out. Um, but I don't I don't think Christocentric teaching is a point B issue. I believe it's a point A issue, um, and I, I think there is a deep desire for those in my generation and maybe the generation just before mine, and certainly the one after mine. There is a genuine desire, maybe not so much for a return to liturgy necessarily, although I think you can make the argument there too, mm-hmm. um, a return to Christocentric teaching. I am I have a Baptist background, but I'm, I'm a Calvary Chapel guy. It's chapter by chapter, verse by verse, as I've talked about on the show before. And so there's a desire to get back into the meat of the Word, and what is... What does this mean in terms of Christ, and what is he what is he teaching us in these words? What is what is the Holy Spirit teaching us through Paul when he's writing the, this to the church in Galatia? Right. How important is Christocentric teaching within the walls of the church, and how important is it to have that in order to engage us to go beyond the walls of the church? Yeah. So by Obviously, by Christocentric, I just mean Christ at the center. Mm-hmm. Christ at the center yeah. of the way I think, the way I engage. Uh, Christ at the center of my academic life, Christ at the center of my social life, uh, always Christ centered on him. Um, I believe that um, that we have a generation, two generations, both millennials and Gen Z, uh, 
coming up behind us who are hungry for and looking for um, authenticity. They, uh, and, and pardon the illogicality of what I'm about to say, but uh, they might say something like, I don't care that what you believe is true. I want to see that it's real, that it does something. And again, pardon the, the lack of actual reason there. but Well, but that explains that, a lot about millennials and yeah. Gen Z. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I think what they're looking for is authenticity. So mm-hmm. if, if, you say, if you say that Christ is my Lord and Savior and that my, my whole life is governed by what he has revealed through the pages of his word as I walk with him in the Holy Spirit, if you say that, then uh, you have to pull everything back to Christ. You have to show it as well. So if you're going to say, you know, this is how I feel about the issue of gender ideology, or this is how I feel about the issue of abortion, or this is how I feel about the issue of uh, social equality or, or uh, economic qual- equality, if you're going to say that, and, and to someone who actually wants to see that it's real, they need to see that you mean that from Scripture because that's what you told them, and they need to see that not only do you pull that from Scripture or anchor it there, but it also affects your life, like you're doing something with it. Uh, the, the days of just saying, believe what I say because it's in the Bible, uh, although that's, that's legitimate, mm-hmm. um, the, the days of that being convincing to the culture uh, are quickly passing. Uh, and so I think we need to show them, show them how uh, having Christ at the center of my life uh, adequately and always affects the way I engage everything. Yeah, and I, I think you make a very good point there. It's hard to convince convince someone that the word is true and real. And this I believe this because this is what it says. Well, they're not going to buy into that because that doesn't have authority in their life. Right. Scripture has holds no authority in the life of a non-believer. It seems logical. It um, will. And, and, and exactly. I think, I think you make a very good point that those of my generation, so I'm technically a millennial, Sorry about and that. I'm, I'm, well, I'm, <laughs> I'm at the, <laughs> I'm, I'm not at the beginning of the millennial generation. I'm actually at the end, so I'm very, I'm much closer to Gen Z actually. Mm. Um, but I, whatever, we'll get into that off, off camera. It, there is a longing for authenticity, and I don't think there's, I don't believe there's any person in the history of the world more authentic than Christ. Right. Um, it would, that would bear to reason. Right, and so as as we seek to follow what he says and what he said, um, specifically Matthew twenty eight, uh, at the time of his ascension, when he says "Go, therefore, and make disciples," he didn't say "Go and try to talk to people." He said "Go and make disciples, make Christ followers," uh, and then teach them and. and baptize them, and then and, and go start here, then go here, then go here. Is the church, by and large, this is a, probably an unfair question for you, is the church by and large doing that? Uh, when you say the church, the, I assume you mean the universal, the big C. Yeah, the big yeah, C church so and that Apostles' Creed. We could talk about that on another podcast sure. one day. That's a 45-minute that's a one. Uh, it is. Uh, I've <laughs> Uh, in, in my world, I focus more on the local church um, and on uh, the expression of Christ's bride inside each of those uh, covenanted weekly gatherings uh, that they call churches. Um, 
And in the Baptist world, we all voluntarily, autonomously cooperate for that purpose. Uh, so in many ways, I can say, yes, uh, the churches are doing that. They are going uh, to their Jerusalems and to their Samarias and to their uh, Judeas and to the uttermost parts of the world. Uh, you know, right now, I mean, Southern Baptists right now have 3,700 active full-time missionaries on the field overseas, uh, planning about 700 churches a year uh, in North America. Um, we're reaching our neighborhoods and the nations with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, is it enough? No, it never is. Um, but but yes, I think we are doing it. So if the question is, are we, the churches, mm-hmm. and not just Southern Baptists, we are not the only uh, <laughs> the only churches uh, or, or members of churches that will be in <laughs> heaven when the church is universal and gathered. Uh, another conversation for another, another day. Yeah. Uh, my landmark <laughs> is showing. Um, so, so, no, we're not the only right. ones who are saved. Uh, all who hold to the evangelical gospel, Jesus' life, death, burial, and resurrection, mm-hmm. and forgiveness of sin, through repentance from sin, and faith in him, and call on his name, all those are speaking the true biblical gospel, and, and we will gather one day around Christ's throne uh, all together as a universal church, and I look forward to that day. Uh, but yes, I do believe I do believe the mission is advancing, yeah. uh, and in many ways, we're part of it, and in some ways, uh, the Holy Spirit is working through groups that we don't imagine and probably don't even know of, uh, and that's really beautiful. Yeah, I think I think the faith is exploding, and that's in a good way, mm-hmm. in what we would call unreached areas. The fastest growing Christian populations are in non-Western contexts. Oh, right now. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, Africa. We're seeing an explosion in Afghanistan, which we talked about them the other day. Mm-hmm. Iran, Korea. I know of um, some missionaries worker working in in China, and specifically in the nation of Bhutan, which is completely closed. To the gospel, uh, it, it's amazing what's happening, um, and, I, and the, the reason I ask that question is because the answer is yes. The gospel's think moving. This, think through this: the the this, uh, the center of gravity for global gospel witness uh, over the last fifteen to twenty years has shifted from the Western world to the non-Western world. So Christ is actively doing something uh, in and through His churches in the parts of the world where persecution is at its highest. Uh, that doesn't mean that um, that you must be persecuted in order to be successful. That's not true. Uh, it's not even biblical. But uh, it does mean, I mean, if you're, if you're looking at what the Holy Spirit is saying to the churches today, you know, uh, Revelation yeah. 2 through 4, <laughs> um, then you can't ignore that. You can't right. ignore the fact that the center of gravity for gospel witness has shifted over the last 15 years um, away from where we have historically over the last couple hundred years been most comfortable in our faith to where they are most uncomfortable uh, or unwelcomed socially whenever they hold to the biblical faith. Dr. Tony Wolf is with the South Carolina Baptist Convention. So why don't you, just as we wrap things up, kind of give folks a quick summation of your role and what the convention is doing. Sure. So I'm the lead servant of uh, a group of autonomous churches, about 2011 churches in South Carolina, Baptist churches, who are pulling their resources and relationships together to reach our neighbors and the nations for Jesus Christ. Um, South Carolina Baptists uh, are every Baptist in every pew and every church and every association cooperating together uh, through 
through giving and praying and going to support uh, three universities who are biblically based, Anderson University and North Greenville University and Charleston Southern University, uh, a minister. We are so pro-life. We have both a children's home and a ministry to the aging there you go. Uh, that we support. Uh, the WMU, the Women's Missionary Union, promotes missions and missions education all across the state uh, and connects with their partners nationally and internationally also to do the same. Um, and, uh, of course, we have a, a foundation uh, that that helps fund the Great Commission through management of uh, kingdom assets given through churches and individuals like you. Uh, There's so many. There are a million things that South Carolina Baptists do, uh, but I like to focus more on who we are. We're just real people who have real problems, uh, but believe in a real loving God who expressed His uh, His love for us. That while we were yet in sin, He sent Christ his only begotten son, to die for us and to make a way to bridge the gap between our sinfulness and God's holiness. Uh, this is who we are. Uh, we're, we love each other, although we express that in difficult ways sometimes, but <laughs> we really do love each other. Uh, we are one family on one mission through one cooperative effort. And if you want to learn more about what they're doing or possibly use their resources to connect yourself with a church, if you're not currently... Um, involved and knitted in and serving in in a, in a local church, you can go to scbaptist.org, and there they have all the information you need. You can learn more about Dr. Wolf and how he's uh, moved here just recently. So welcome to the Palmetto State. Thank you. We love it. Yeah, yeah. It's your first summer here. It is. How how you feeling after it's this one? It's not bad. It's not bad. Uh, so it was. I moved here from Fort Worth, and it was, I think, 110, like 10 days in a row or something over there. It's like a big concrete oven over there. And uh, at, at least this one, you know, feels like a sauna. Yeah, of yeah. Your glasses so. just fog up here. That's yeah, all. Just, they are. just, just take them That's off true. before you get out of the car. Because <laughs> yeah. if you leave them on, they'll fog up. Uh, but we're glad that you're here. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, really appreciate you connecting with us and getting on the show here. And of course, um, we'll have your compatriot, Dr. Tony Beam, on here soon as well. All right. Uh, so we really appreciate you coming on and sharing some wisdom about these things. And hopefully, we can have you on in the future talk about. It few different things, maybe dig into some other issues as well. So Dr. Tony Wolf with the South Carolina Baptist Convention, thank you so much. For Mitch Prosser, our entire team at Palmetto Family, Kevin Kylo included, I'm Justin Hall. We'll talk to you next time on the next edition of Beyond the Walls right here on the Palmetto Family Matters Network.